2: back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Kevin McCluskey and Laura Bradburn and we're here to discuss the fact that Celtic have just gone 12 points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Kevin McCluskey, much better second half. How much of that was down to um, Jota? He just seemed first 10-15 minutes of the second half in the mood, didn't he? Yeah, he did.
1: Um, I think... I think you're going to have to give Ange probably a lot of credit for that because he'll have gone through them, I'm pretty sure, at half time uh, as we were saying, because that was a pretty poor... Well, we said pretty poor first 45 minutes. It was a pretty frustrating 45 minutes. We just didn't look like we were going to break them down and get the goal. And I think the last thing I'd said before was we need to make that count early in the second half, and we did. You know, finally, I've got something right. We managed to get the goal nice and early in the second half, and that that just killed it. It calmed the game down. Uh, they opened up a little bit in the second half, came out. I got the space to play, like you said. I think, ah, excuse me, I think it gave Hataki, sorry, Maeda space to get in behind the midfielders. Were picking out passes with a lot more ease and confidence. Uh, Johnston, I thought, was excellent again in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already we just 180 minutes into his career with us, but he's looking like he's going to be a top signing, someone that's going to just pretty much fit in quite seamlessly. Um, and then Jackie Marcus comes on and does his best to get me my 5-0 prediction. If only the goals were a couple of centimetres bigger, he'd have got that for me. But I think you've got to say, all in all, the second half was a, a big improvement on the first uh, we got the goals at the vital times and the important times. The only thing that was missing was being maybe a little bit more clinical in front of goal, or just having a bit more luck in front of goal. Because I think, I think we deserve more than two nothing. Although I was checking on Foot Mob or Foot whatever it is, the the new app that's out. Foot XT Mob. To, thought, thought mob. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, this is a family show. <laughs> you said it?
2: Right. I did not. This is an app. Sorry, let's explain this. This is an app for data, is it?
1: Aye, it's like one of those Flash score ones, and it does the live XG and everything, and we right. get 2.48 from it. Four so for right. all the domination of the play, we were pretty much accurate in that. And I'm just going to jump off now, because I think I'm uh, going <laughs> to be... Just, I'm, I, be I'm just in assuming... <laughs>
3: I'm just wondering what Toe Paul's talking about, like which toe it would be. But anyway, <laughs>
2: right, listen, that that is that's enough of that chat. Um, yes, the second half. I, I mean, the notes you're looking at the first half. Often, what happens at full time is we tend to concentrate in the second half because we've spoken about the first half at half time. But in actual fact, there isn't a great deal of filling in to do with that first half. I mean, we already spoke about the goal, of course, uh, the breakthrough and. I think that I don't know if you got a wee bit of a, a burst from that, or maybe and at half-time, Laura. But I did feel as though Jota really looked in the mood early part of that second half. And that's that tended to uh, open up a wee bit. And I could see just before we scored the second goal, uh, we were opening up. There was a strike saved uh, from Jota. There was a cross ball. It, you know, it was better than in the first half. And, of course, this result we'd done is um, breaking through again on the 50th minute. Do you think it, a lot of that was down to the, uh, the flair um, of Jota?
3: I think there's a a bit of a a problem going on in terms of wanting to play Ange just wanting to play Maeda and jota because i think both of them do their best work off the left hand side Agreed. jota quite clearly doesn't doesn't favor even though from my um obse- observation of him he's his favored foot is his right foot he prefers to use that to cut in rather than to be um, hitting the byline and putting a cross in on the right-hand side. So um, I think that's where he comes into his own and perhaps is part of the reason why he spent m- huge p- periods of the first half not really having an impact. Um, but yeah, for the second half, he was really the the galvaniser and the, and the one who really was looking to make things happen in the second half um, and getting that early goal like we did... Um, really kind of settled us for that second half i think you know it was basically if you obviously if you discount the half time break you're talking about two goals within the space of a couple of minutes to really change the complexion of the game and we went from thinking it was really flat and really um nothing to write home about to to being pretty comfortable and never really getting getting bothered but another player i'd like to highlight just for a bit of praise is 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 Johnston. i mean he has got an engine on him like like few players I've seen, and you know the commentators were talking about one point is how how do you how do you mark a player? Or how do you handle a player if they're supposed to be playing it right back and they turn up at the left on the left wing from time to time? And he just seems to be one of those players that you know he's got a lot of praise for the way he speaks, but it's cl- quite clear that that combined with the way he's playing and the way he's picking things up, he's a very intelligent guy and a very intelligent footballer, and that's exactly what Ange needs to to do what he's being asked to do, especially in the case of a fullback or a wing-back, where what they're being asked to do in Ange's system is perhaps a bit more complex than most other players. So I'm really delighted to see what he's come in and been able to do. And it makes me feel a little bit less um, concerned about any potential departure of Juranovic than I might have been uh, before he came.
2: Yeah, we had a good discussion last week about that, Laura. We were talking about Juranovic and Yakamakis, and the fact that I think... It's taken a while, but you've got used to the idea that Juranovic is going. Um, the fact that we've got a, a decent replacement in, who I think's had now two very, very good games at right back, slotted in really, really well. But also, the Yakimakis thing, the flip of that is, we don't have a replacement lined up. Yes, we've been linked to a couple of players. We don't have a replacement lined up. And, you know, when he came on, It's been kind of mixed reactions in the comments, to be fair. When he came on, he did give you, and I know this sounds really simplistic, he does give you something different from Kyogo. He hits the bar a couple of times, but he's a completely different proposition for the the, the opposition. And that's why I actually agree with what Jim was saying yesterday. Give him what he wants, right? Because I don't think he is off the scale in terms of wages. Give him that wee bit extra, because otherwise we're going to have three weeks to find a replacement, Kevin. Now, I would much mm-hmm. rather Yakimakis with a smile on his face getting the deal that he wanted to get rather than us maybe, you know, going through the scouting reports, trying to get someone in before the end of January. The likelihood or the possibility of that turning into a loan deal with an option. I don't want to go down that route. We've got Yakimakis. We've got that other option. Let's try and keep him.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and. Um... I've no idea what his wages are and I've no idea what he's after, but I don't think it will be anything that's going to break the bank. Um, we've got the guy through the doors already. We know what he can do. He's he's a more than capable Scottish Premiership striker who's going to get his 15 goals a season if we play him regularly enough. We give him what he wants, really. Um, the only thing that he might want that you can't give him is guaranteed minutes. Yeah, But then it's up to him to get those minutes um, by doing pretty much what he's done today when he's come on, putting in those kind of performances Like, say, excuse me, you can't afford to leave me out of the team. But you don't want to be going into a situation with two or three weeks to go or even a week to go because we don't know when he's going to leave, if he does leave. And then you're scratching around and you, however you're, whoever's coming in, is someone that you think is going to be a last-minute signing. And you don't want that. Even at the moment, if it we're nine or 12 points clear from the end of this weekend, and the league could be all but done. You don't want to be in a position where you've only got one striker really going into the last few games. So, now nah, you're either giving what he wants or you've got a contingency in place already, as we did. And as um, Laura said, as we did with Johnston coming in for Juranovic, because that's completely softened that blow now. Juranovic could pretty much walk out the door tomorrow and yeah you would miss him because he's a top player but you'd feel so much more relaxed and comfortable because you know the guy is coming in to replace him is already here and already doing the business mm-hmm. um, and that's that's maybe a thing as well the makes you think that Giacomakis isn't going anywhere at the moment because Ange seems to be so proactive in what he's doing with these dealings so maybe maybe there's a lot of it that's just paper talk that's there maybe he's not as unhappy as all that
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you look at the right-back position, like you say, you're happy with Johnston and Ralston. I know Mm Djuranovic is still a Celtic player, so he's not at the door yet, but you'd be happy with that going forward. Before we uh, ask you about Yakimakis, Laura, whilst we're talking about full-backs, are you happy with the Bernabe Taylor being uh, the two left-backs we've got on the other side? Because obviously we've got a chance there to see Bernabe for 90 minutes. Um, Credit for the first goal. It was an excellent pass that obviously released Maeda, who then crossed the ball in. But overall, how do you think Burnaby played on the other side?
3: I think he's got enough ability to um, prove himself to be quite a good footballer uh, in the future. But much as I was saying that Johnston seems intelligent enough to um, to do what's asked of him in a quite a complex role, I wonder if the opposite true of true is true of Burnaby. Um, that uh, whether that's a language barrier or anything like that, obviously he's maybe having to face a a more significant cultural switch coming from Argentina than than Johnston is from Canada. But um, yeah, I still think he's got a lot of learning to do in the role and a lot of growing to do and a lot of maturing to do. But certainly for the the calibre of teams that we're going to be playing against, he's a solid enough option that... That I don't think he's a I don't think he's too much of a downgrade at the moment from Taylor. Although um having said that, Taylor, you know, prior to the injury has really um worked to earn the the respect and the appreciation of of the Celtic support and has gone from being the guy that you would say is fine domestically, but maybe we could do better, to being a guy who's one of the first names on the team sheet. And I think he um while well, I think he'll probably come back in as soon as he's fit and able. Um, Bernabe in the meantime, certainly with no European football on the horizon, it is is a good enough option for now.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Chancer comes in on the YouTube channel. If you haven't already subscribed, please click on subscribe and like this video as well. It really does help us um, with the algorithm, according to Laura. Because Laura knows a lot more about that than I do. <laughs> Chancer, as much as I like Kyogo, I still think Gigi should be starting. We're going to be talking a wee bit about Yakimakis. Uh, Johnson had a, a good... I just call him Johnston there. Johnston had a good second half. He's not Boston Swedish. Go. He's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, and how good was CCV's tackle at 85 minutes? Asks CJ. I'll tell you what, he's making a habit of these incredible tackles. He's just getting better and better. And Autumn Glow again, let's talk about uh, the Yakamakis thing because I never threw that one at you yet, Laura. Imagine Musa in that side would score a double digits every game. Um, it's the thought of what happens if, right? So Geranovic leaves, you're then just kind of arguing the toss about the transfer fee because we're quite happy with what we've got here with the right backs. If Yakamakis leaves... Yes, I'm pretty sure we'll have scouting reports. We'll have people on short lists and all this kind of stuff, Laura. If Moussa Dembele is on that shortlist, then fair play. But I just think, you know, back to last season, we've seen Kyogo in a moon boot. We've seen him uh, a couple of times out injured. And by the way, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, but in a, a real situation. If we, we move on Kyogo and we've maybe got a, a player that we're then trying to bed into the team, uh, because although Johnson has hit the ground running, um, not every player is going to do that. And if you've got one out-and-out striker and you're looking for that striker to give you goals, the pressure mounts, then you maybe start looking at what can Haxabanovich and Nabada do through the middle, what can Maita do through the middle. And my take on this, having thought long and hard about it, and maybe he has done the wee um, egg timer on his Instagram and all that, which really annoys me. But, you know, I don't, I don't think it's unsalvageable with Yakimakis, and his cameo today showed what he can do. He, he did make an impact. He almost got a couple of goals, Laura. Where are you with Yakimakis? Keep him.
3: Well, I'll I'll give him more credit than I would give Juranovic. I have no basis on which to say that this is the case, but my observation of Juranovic's performances since the World Cup and since um, since he's been linked with a move away have been that his head has been turned he's not been given the 100% that he's known for giving um and that disappointed me to see that Yakimakis on the other hand you wouldn't know from his performance today that there was anything going on in terms of um, um wanting away or anything like that and so from that point of view I'm not going to say he deserves credit because I think that's just part of being a being an adult in these situations, you continue to give your best for your for your employer until such time as you're no longer employed by that club. Um, but in terms of the, the hole that we might find ourselves in if he was to go, um, I don't think he's irreplaceable in terms of, I think there's other strikers out there that we could get would be of a similar or better calibre. But certainly in terms of recognised strikers at the club, Kyogo probably is... Th- the closest to what you would call a recognised striker outside of him and he's not even really a striker. And then after that, you're talking about going down and looking at somebody like Joey Dawson in the Celtic B team who scored against uh, Rangers B uh, the, the other day there. But you don't want to be relying on somebody like that who's really not featured for the first team at all since, since the Dubai incident a few years ago. And you know, you're stuck wondering, you know, is it a Abada through the middle? And you're, you're back to the kind of beat-on situation of makeshift players for makeshift mm-hmm. positions, which you really don't want to have. I think at the very bare minimum, if Yakimakis goes this January, we need to make sure there's a replacement coming in who's who's a recognised striker.
2: No, absolutely. And I'll go back to uh, one of the comments Ange made coming into the January transfer window before we had actually signed a player. Uh, when pushed, he said that a couple would come in. We've got three in. And I know that the plan for January last year was to bring three in. And then Matt O'Reilly, you know, that deal presented itself. It was too good to turn down and he comes to the club. So I'm not saying we're finished with with regards to recruitment. And we have been uh, linked to a couple of strikers as well. But are they going to make as much of an impact as Giacomacchus. We know what the guy can do. If it's a few grand here or there to get the deal over the line, let's do it. That's my take on it. Stephen Sloan, maybe unfairly one of your comments was brought up, Stephen, at half-time because we hadn't scored when you made the, the comment. Much better in the second half. CCV immense, as always. Johnson, this is a good point. It looks like he's been playing with us all season. He's settled in so well How did we not score in the last minute? We'll come to that, actually, because I want to have a wee chat about James A. Forrest as well. Uh, John Sweeney lets us know. I've just been focusing on the Celtic game, John, so thank you. Well done, Scott Brown. Fleetwood Town knocked out QPR in the FA Cup. nay luck, Lyndon Dykes, you're out of the cup. <laughs> and Frank Brennan, they're all negative opponents domestically at Celtic Park. We're going to see a lot of that, Frank, because, I mean, you know, the, the one big surprise, and I know it wasn't at Celtic Park, when a team parked the bus was when Kevin and I covered the Aberdeen game. I thought, what on earth are you doing here, Jimmy Goodwin? Because, you know, they had got plaudits for their attack and play, their forward players were some of their best performers, and they parked the bus at home against us. I expect Kilmarnock to do that. I, I really do. I expect St. Mirren to do it, Ross County. I expect all these teams to do it. Because if you don't do it, Kevin, you might be on the end of a 9 nothing drubbing or a 6-1 drubbing. That's what we can do to teams.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.
1: Exactly, yeah. Or even a 5 nothing like I predicted for this game. That would have been nice. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things that we've just got to put up with. with being Celtic and being the team that's on the front foot, you've got to expect that everyone will come and play nine, ten men behind the ball. And then it's up to us to find a way to break them down and get through them. And eventually if we keep on doing what we're doing, and this is, this is the thing that you've got to love and appreciate with Ange as much as some people will criticize it in a way, it is plan A and if plan A is not working, it's plan A, but, but better. And then because it works, the way that we're playing does work eventually if we stick at what we're doing for long enough, we're down the opposition and we saw it today, that we've, as Kenil again, Loris said, although there was a half time break in between it, it was two goals in about two or three minutes of actual game time. We came out at the start of the second half with the intensity as like we'd just scored. And we were able then to get the second goal straight away. And as soon as we've done that, it's game over. The opposition does come out and play a little bit more because it's the only way that they're going to get a point then. Mm-hmm. And then it leaves them open. Of course, teams aren't going to come and go gung ho as from the, the word go because that just leaves them wide open, and they will get a thump in five or six nothing. We've just got to have the players that can break them down, and that's why I think at times we need a number ten because we don't have that player just yet. It's the one player that's missing domestically from our game in the midfield. We need a a proper holding midfielder for Europe. I think if we're going to progress there, and we need a number ten for the domestic game but once we get those players in we've got players that can hurt teams in front of goal we, we saw it today we've got a style of play that works um, so yeah, we've got to expect it and we've got to work through it and we've got the players that can do it as long as we just believe in what we're doing We've got the players that can pick the lock Is Haxa perhaps the number 10? He is for me I think so I've seen in, in the fleeting kind of moments that he's Played because he hasn't still had a proper run in the team yet with injuries and whatnot. He's got it for me, he's got the ability to play it wide, um, because he's got that kind of direct play about him. But I think he's got really quick feet and he's got the ability to pick a pass. And the few times when he's drifted in field and done the number 10 thing, I've thought he could be the man, you know, if we can get him in there. On a consistent basis, give him three, four, five games and see what he can do. He'll not do any worse than anyone else that's played in that role for us this season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think he could be. I think he's got that inventiveness about his game. And then if you've got him there, if it's not working, you do know that you can alternate him out wide and bring Jota into the middle and see what he can do there. Or it just gives you more uh, flexibility and fluidity in that like, attacking three behind the main man. Mm-hmm. I now think it's definitely an option that we, we, we
2: can do. We, we can try. I'm looking forward to him coming back. You and Boy Martin, welcome back to the show. Uh, I just bought tickets for the Martin O'Neill show next month. Thanks for the plug. Um, these shows that we're doing, they, they've always been planned, but obviously we had pandemics and all that kind of stuff to deal with, lockdowns, um, and it's not a case of us just trying to cash in. Uh, what we're giving you here with Axel nights is. An absolutely brilliant night I'm going to have to say that If any of you were at the Sean Ryder night Now I know he never played for Celtic Sean Ryder um, The night, the venue Everything about it was tremendous And Martin O'Neill is going to be the same uh, Barra designs & a fantastic venue It's nice and intimate It's not too big um, and we're trying to keep the, the tickets as affordable as possible. So you and Boy Martin's got his tickets. Many others have as well. I think we're down to about the last 90, last I checked. So if you do want to get them, the ticket link is under this video. And I will be reading, because I've not read it yet. I'll be reading his autobiography. And um, he's already dispelled some of the things I believed about the number 31. Uh, but I will be asking about Raphael Scheidt. Um Neil Reid <laughs> comes in let's do what we can to keep Yakamakis. He really offers us a lot. I was kind of thinking like this, Laura, but I reckon it was Jim Moore that finally convinced me yesterday that, you know, we can just work with what we've got here with Yakimakis. And Jim Moore has got a habit of doing that on a Friday on the bulletin. And you know that more than most because he's been one of your buddies for a long, long time. Kookaburra comes in as well. Low crosses are more dangerous. We've seen it. It's not rocket science. And I don't think we really do have the aerial prowess to be trying to loft and dink uh, balls in. Um, and here we go, Paul Hogan. The temperature in Glasgow tonight is now minus 12. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you, of what does that do when you've got the points in the bag, you can go away home, have a few bits and a carry out and all that kind of stuff, and your opponent, your nearest title challengers, are playing the following day? Is it all about turning that screw? How, how do you think that affects the mentality across, across at uh, Govan?
3: Listen, I've always said that um, even if the team with games in hand have an opportunity to over overtake you by winning those games in hand, which in this case is not true, but even if that was true, I still prefer to be the team that's played first and got the points on the board because nobody knows what's going to happen with the games in hand for for the teams chasing um and very often the pressure of being the one chasing is the thing that makes the difference so um to cut a long story short it's really all about for me if you're first out the gates you you get the job done you get the points on the board and they can't be taken away from you and then it it hands over to your rival to 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 try and keep up the pace with you um even if Keeping up the pace means only reducing it from minus 12 to minus 9, which would be the
2: case. Kevin, I'm going to ask you, because people talk about mentality. And I remember uh, Tommy Rogic, when he was asked about it, remember last season, Mm -hmm. and he basically said, well, you know, this is where we've been for a decade. And I got what he meant. I absolutely did get what he meant. Um, But as a team, as a group of players, and with Ange at the helm, um, we really hadn't had that level of success. That's why the League Cup win was so important for us when we beat Hibs. Um, but we were kind of chasing. We were the not the underdog, but we certainly weren't the favourites throughout last season. But that's different this time round. We've got that comfort of the 12-point gap. Um, and not so far as asking you how Celtic will respond to that, because you kind of know how Andrew's going to respond and how Celtic are going to respond. Um, but... You know, it's flipped it on the other side to our challengers. And, that you know, you go to Dundee United tomorrow and that's where points can be dropped. That's where other teams, albeit kind of lower end of the table, um, that's where, you know, titles can be won and lost. Last week or on Monday there, two each. And you're kind of thinking, we wanted to extend it to 12 points. But, you know, that could be done tomorrow. That could be done. The job could be done tomorrow.
1: Exactly. So... There was one of the games that we've done recently, and be the game was it the Hibs game it was the one before Rangers. And one of the yeah. comments that came in on it was uh, getting a draw wouldn't be the worst result. Or it'd settle for a, a draw at Ibrox. And we were both at nah nah, we need to go and win it. If we win that game, we win the league. But I can't remember who it was that came up with the comment, but it's because we've got the draw, it's actually proven to be actually spot on. Because Angie's comments after the game as well about us, we're now mentality monsters. We were never letting that game go. There was no way that we were not leaving Ibrox with at least a point. We fought and fought until the end and we got it. Yep. And you can see it at Kyogo's goal when, is it Jota that's driving in? Tavernier's got about two or three chances to go and block him off and stop him. And he passes him on and he stops and he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. And then there's the of mass. the ball breaks to Kyogo and he scores. And there's a moment where you just see Tavernier, he's broken. And that's because he's not got the mentality just to go and do what needs to be done to stop the goal. Whereas Jota and then Kyogo had it to go and make sure that we did what we had to do. Um, and that's the difference. We saw it last season. It was We were getting there at different points of the season. Mm-hmm. Winning the first trophy was massive because it was the first one that probably 90% of that squad had won. You know, Carter Vickers, we lauded him all last season. It was his first trophy. It's his first real season being a leader of a team, in a way. It was McGregor's first as a captain. It was Kyogo's first and certainly first in the UK. And it's the game that he won by himself, basically, with the two goals. There were so many moments throughout the season where you just now think, yeah, we've got the mentality and it's going to take a lot to shift us from where we are. Rogic's comment was brilliant, though, because for him, he had he had been at the top for 10 years. And it was so vital that we kept him last season. And you can see why he's technically not needed so much this year. Because now there's so many other characters that have come up and said, right, hey, I've maybe not been at the top for 10 years, but I've got the mentality as someone that has now, thanks to Tommy Rogic and thanks to what we did last season. And them going into that game tomorrow, it's absolutely must win for them. Mm-hmm. And um, if they don't win it, it's all it's all done. And they've and that's gotta be their mindset going into every game. They've probably got a fear of going into every game, knowing that one slip up costs them the league. Um and yeah, like Laura says, whenever you're playing you want to play first, you get the points on the board and then you make the other team sweat and see what they do. Um whether if they they can win tomorrow, I don't think it makes that much of a difference but they have to win if they you know, don't want to lose by at least nine points.
2: No, precisely. <clears throat> um, Galazzo Viali, uh, I know you're a big Italian football fan, Laura, and it was really sad to hear of the passing of Viali. One of the guys, I think, that you know, growing up, you, you kind of attach yourself to certain players' strips and all that kind of... You just do, because I, I don't know if your brain works differently as a kid, but Vialli was one of the guys. He was just class. And I, by the way, I've got no love for Chelsea. Um, but you made a comment in relation to the fact that, you know, that league, more than Chelsea is a club, but that league gave us the opportunity to see players like Viali and Zola and all these guys, Ruth you know, all these guys that uh, hitherto, it was World Cups or it was uh, Channel 4 Italian football that we had to rely on.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't know, you know, I don't want to sound like a bit too much like in my day, but um, you know, <laughs> you saw the highlights of, of the, the Serie A on Channel Four, which at the time was the best league in the world. And um I think younger generations nowadays just expect the best players in the world to come to the Premier League as they often do. Um and I can't under understate you know, as you said, I've, I'm no lover of Chelsea, but back in at that time, I was I was only a, a kid, and it wasn't really about the politics of clubs or 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 the fan bases or anything like that. And just one of the most um, sparkling memories that I have as a kid of football in general was watching that the first time I ever heard a club be called Continental for the team they were putting together with Rude with with Zola, with Viale, with Dan Petrescu. Um, even Ed De Hoy and Goals. I mean, it was it was a great, great team, even to the point where I wrote a blog about um Zola for an Italian football blog that I used to write four years ago. And to to hear of Vialli's passing was just, you know, devastating on a lot of levels, but particularly because, you know, it was a strong um feature of my football um loving and childhood. And um unfortunately I'm taken by exactly the same disease as Frank McGarvey. Um you know, all you can say in these situations is your thoughts are with the, the, the family and friends who will undoubtedly be affected more than any of us. But if it's any consolation to them, you know, these people live on in our memories for what they've given us um, in football. And um, given how much football means to all of us, that's that's no mean feat to have done that. So, yeah, thoughts are with um, the Viali family and, uh, family and the, the McGarvey family because... Um, yeah, it's just a brutal, brutal thing to have to have gone through, I'm sure.
2: Absolutely. Lovely words. And class is permanent, as Galazzo Vialli says. 16 goals in every 76, uh, one every 76 minutes. I've just double-checked that, not to try and uh, disprove it or anything, but uh, goals and assists at the moment this season, if you go by the minutes, it's every 95 minutes. Brilliant record by Kyogo. If he stays fit, Kyogo will score 30-plus league goals and fire us to the title. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that in the slightest, right? But let's not try and scour all these markets that we've scoured in the last 18 months to try and find a replacement for Kugo when he's right there and we know what he can do. And I think a lot of people's uh, opinions about Yakimakis are that he should stay. Uh, Daft Gav, Yakamakis was tremendous. Desperately unlucky not to get a goal. Did really well defensively. Top player, he does. He, he absolutely does. Who scored the goals? Well, there was a little bit of... Um, uh, debate around the second one but I think it's been given as a Taylor OG on 51 minutes uh, Yota getting the first on 45 great point by uh, Laura. Actually, I think the second half hinged on the fact that we opened the scoring right at the, the end of the first half, that's why we had such an open second half, far more open than the first anyway, Jungle Lion comes in also to say Gigi has to stay until the summer at least. Don't disagree with that in the slightest. That has been a very, very quick half hour, I've got to say. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the post-match. Another 2-0 win for Celtic at home. The points gap is 12. If you want to support the channel, like the video, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, and if you want to come and see us live, Martin O'Neill tickets are going quick. And Danny McGrain tickets, if you want to come and see him in March, um, he cracks me up, does Danny. I can't repeat what some of the things he was saying earlier on in the day when I spoke to him. Uh, but obviously, we did have a good chat about Frank McGarvey. And, you know, Simon Weir was in the studio the other day. Simon's a good pal of ours, ours as well. And we all used to play, I say play, we all used to appear for Frank McGarvey's team. McGarvey had a team of ex and And uh, I only got. Asked to go Because we sponsored them Axom sponsored them Right So basically I was paying to play Right And um, (laughs) Simon Weir, Who's an actor Who's a brilliant actor He was in uh, Just yesterday We were sharing Some hilarious tales About Frank McGarvey He came up with A great idea That we should get All the boys together That played in the team and just get our recollections and our anecdotes and record them and put them out as a tribute, and I think we're going to do that. So thanks every single one of you for getting involved, and all that's left for me to say is thank you to Kevin McCluskey and Laura Bradburn once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
0: Sports Social, Podcast Network. Sports Social 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 Podcast Network.
1: Step into the world of
0: power. Loyalty